How many of you have seen that clip before? Never seen that? <clears throat> Good. So, so I don't have to ask you to remember the first time you ever saw it. Um, so, so tell me, when you saw that, um, you saw the guy knock down that tiny little first domino, right? Um, did you have any idea what the end result was going to be? Yeah? No? <clears throat> did you have any, any idea that knocking down that first little tiny domino could possibly set off a chain reaction of events that would result in that, that huge effect, like the whole building was shaken, right? Of course, that wasn't because of the domino. Um, <clears throat> well, we've all seen probably massive displays of hundreds of thousands of dominoes all set up. You know, you knock down the first one and this thing takes 10 minutes to go through the whole routine. And uh, there's just all kinds of interesting things happening. But in those situations, all the dominoes are pretty much the same size, right? I mean, this was something a little different. And if you were to look at that first domino and that last domino, um, you would see a huge difference in size between the two, obviously, right? And that was emphasized by the sound effects. Yeah, I'm, they didn't really make that noise. But, uh, but I mean, like that last domino was the 19th one in the series. <clears throat> and uh, it turns out that uh, each one of those subsequent dominoes was about one-third taller, about one-third wider, and about one-third thicker than the previous domino, which, if my math is correct, and I did the math, um, so it's kind of iffy, but if my math is correct, that last domino was about 2,072,210 times as big as the first. And if they were both made out of the same material, that means it was over 2 million times as heavy. So what? Well, that's like starting with a golf ball. Now, most of us can relate to a golf ball, right? 1.6 ounces. 1.62. And <clears throat> ending up with two fully loaded ready-mix trucks. All right, so that's about the equivalent of what was going on there. Now, do you think that you could use a golf ball to knock over a ready-mix truck? Now, even if it was balanced on a pretty narrow base, right, it's kind of hard to get that golf ball at 1.6 ounces or so to move one full ready-mix truck, let alone two, or actually it's almost two and a third. Uh, that is huge, right? But in a chain reaction like that, when one little force is applied to an object, and that object transfers that force into another object with more mass and equal gravity, and that affects another and another and another. You add all those things up, and it can be just a huge change in effect. And you can see what the results would be. Even 
the smallest things can set into motion a chain of events that results in something that you just would not have imagined at the beginning. And from a strictly human perspective, the birth of a baby born to the poorest parents under the worst of circumstances, under the most questionable conditions, in the smallest of small towns 2,000 years ago, well, that was a small thing. No one could have imagined the sequence of events, the chain of events that the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, would set in motion. Nor do we today, even in the church, I think, that uh, we don't have really any idea of the final impact that that birth will have. That birth which took place in the fullness of time, Pastor Alex told us last week, when God sent his son to redeem those who were under the law in order that we might receive adoption as sons. What an amazing thing. It's weighty. I mean, it's, it's more weighty than a little domino. It's more weighty than a gigantic domino. We need to pray before we move ahead. <clears throat> Father, it's amazing how important we make little things compared to you. And it's amazing to me that as much as we understand how awesome, mighty, holy you are, we still think that there are things in life that could be more important than you. Or what you have to say to us, or what you expect of us. So I ask this morning first that you will help us to clear out of our thinking all of those unimportant and by comparison meaningless things that we use to fill up your space in our lives. Help us to focus and commit ourselves to you and to what you've revealed about yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name because it's through him that you've made available to us the adoption as your firstborn children. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Alex said some interesting things about the fullness of time. Now, I wasn't here, and if you weren't here, I hope you did what I did, because I heard reports of how awesome the message was, so I had to listen to it twice, uh, and then a little bit more. Uh, he said stuff like this, and I, I'm going to paraphrase here for a moment. He said, when your body is full, because he was talking about all the food we jam into our body during the holidays, right? He says, when your body is full, it cannot help but shift everything about it 
in order to respond to the fact that it's full. Like, full in the belly. You can't help it. You can't stop it. Your body just reacts. He went on to tell us that when time had come for Jesus to be born, it was as if everything in creation, in time and in space, had aligned together, and it was as if nothing else could happen. That's the only thing that could have taken place at that time. He illustrated that point by telling us of several things that God had done. He had ordered and organized things, guided things, in order to bring about that birth, that entrance of God into the world. All of history, technology, politics, religion, geography, culture, society, civil engineering, language, trade, astronomy, superstition, literally the entire cosmos, that's what Alex mentioned, all of those things. All of those things worked together to bring about a moment in history in which nothing else could happen. The entrance of God into the world. And Alex said this, God had ordered, organized, and guided literally everything so that all of creation was focused on these three events. The birth of Messiah the King, God's cleansing and redemption of sinners, and his adoption of us into his family. God focused all of history on those three points. And as I listened, that caused me to ask a question. Because that was 2,000 years ago. So I asked myself this question, and I asked God this question. Is time getting full again? Is God ordering, organizing, and guiding all of creation toward another single event? That when the time is full again, nothing other than that one event could possibly happen. And if God is doing that, what does that mean for us? If he is causing all things to work together for this goal, that means that we're part of that story, whatever he's doing. What effect should the church be having then on things like politics, culture, society, civil engineering, science, technology, space travel, artificial intelligence, whatever? And then, of course, I realized something. As, as I was asking these questions, <clears throat> these questions are way too big for me. Just, they're, these are not just global, these are cosmic sized questions. And they're too big for me. I can't have an answer for them, and if I did, it'd probably scare me away. Um, 
But I realize this. We need to have a big perspective like that. But we need to ask smaller questions. And so I did. Uh, I asked questions like this. Um, what is our role as a congregation? That I can start to wrap my head around. What should our congregation be doing and what role is each one of us to play in our congregation? So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today. I'm going to attempt to expand our perspective and focus or sharpen our focus on us. So the question is, is time getting full again? And if we answer that, we'll get a bigger perspective. So you may not be aware of this, but most fish have eyes on the sides of their head. Did you realize that? Uh, one eye on the left side, one eye on the right side. And those eyes look out there. But if you're a photographer, you know that a fisheye lens often has 180 degrees that it can actually focus on. So actually a fish whose eyes are kind of out here but also angled a little bit toward the inside, fish can see almost everything all the way around it. I mean, its own body is really the only thing in its way from, of seeing behind it. Humans, however, our eyes are up front, right? We can see out there, maybe we can see about to here, but we can't see back there. So wouldn't it be great if you could see all the way around? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be amazing? Imagine if you were a wide receiver on a football team and you could see all the way around, right? I mean, it would be a great advantage. <clears throat> you know, if you put your camera on your telephone in panoramic mode, and then you start here and you go all the way around the circle, and then you look at that picture, you can see all the way around you. That's true. You really can. You can see what's behind you just by looking... I guess at the center of the picture. I don't know, the edge. I, I don't really spend much time doing that, but I do know it works. Um, everything in that photograph, that 360-degree photograph, everything in that photo is there in that long, narrow strip of tiny little things you can't make out. Right? It's all there. All the information is there. But... The relationship of one thing to another in space and time is really distorted. I mean, it, everything back there is suddenly out here. It's distorted. It's just un, un... They aren't really where it looks like they are. When I look at the photo, I say, okay, this thing and this, that should be there, but no, it's over there. It's all distorted. It gives you however, a perspective that you would not have otherwise. Well, our passage for today does exactly the same thing. It gives us a panoramic perspective. 
Matthew 24, 4 through 14 is our passage today. Matthew 24, 4 through 14. And it is an outline of Jesus' perspective on the end of the age. Like a panoramic photo, all the information is there. But the space-time relationships are a little distorted. Everything on the photo is there. It's just not all in front of us in the real world. Likewise, that passage, Matthew 24, 4 through 14, contains real information, true information. But it doesn't contain all the information there is. I mean, it's just a short paragraph. Come on. To be fair, the entire context stretches from Matthew 23, 27, all the way to 25, 46. Now that's a much bigger passage, but it's still not big enough to contain all the information. So let's just focus on this kind of Jesus summary. The setting is this, Jesus is in the temple. It's two, maybe three days before his arrest and crucifixion. He knows what's coming. He's told his disciples, and they just don't seem to be getting it. So here's what happens. Well, Jesus at the temple, in fact, Let me start just right back there at 2337. Matthew 23, beginning at verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus said, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now at this point, Jesus is actually quoting from Psalm 118. This is something familiar. This is not a new phrase for the disciples. The disciples actually latch on to this phrase. If, if, when we'll, we'll see this in just a second. But when, disciple, when Jesus says that, his disciples latch on to this phrase, he who comes. They know that this statement from Psalm 118 is about some future event. And so they ask Jesus about it, and they say this, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? So now it's sinking in a little bit. They're starting to say, 
If he's going to be coming, he's got to be going, right? Because you can't start here and then arrive here again. You have to go somewhere else first. So let me read the passage for you. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you over to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. This passage gives us perspective. It tells us actually several things about God's plan. I'm not going to go into all of them. I'm just going to identify three fast, easy ones. First thing, this passage implies that Jesus will go away. I already said that, right? And it tells us explicitly that he will return sometime in the future. At the end of the age. What is the end of the age? It's in the question. The answer to that question, what is the end of the age, is in the question that the disciples asked. What will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus answered, these are all the signs. And the last thing he said was, this will happen, then the end will come. So you put those two things together, and we're realizing that the age goes until the end. And the end happens when he returns. Now, just to make sure we weren't confused about that, Jesus re-emphasizes that point again in verse 30, verse 27. 30, again in 37, 39, and 44, all in that same chapter. Jesus talks about this coming and the end of the age six times. It's a big deal. But the second thing that we learn from this passage, it tells us that there is more to come before the end. Things like false messiahs arising. Wars. Wars take some time. 
and there's usually time between them. Uh, earthquakes would occur, famine, persecution. The third thing this tells us is that Jesus indicated there was some work to be done. It's not just sit back, relax, and watch it unfold. What he said was, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end will come. Is time getting full again? Last week, Pastor Alex told us about the fullness of time and that it birthed an event that was the only thing that could possibly happen under the circumstances. Everything in creation, from the paths of the stars in the heavens to the location of two people on planet Earth at a specific time and in a specific place, everything culminated in the moment that God came to earth in the form of a baby. From that moment on, it all continued to work together, pointing to a time when God will return to the earth. Is time getting full again? Oh, yeah. Time is getting full again. Time is filling up. God is moving everything toward one event. When time is full again, Jesus will return. There will be nothing else that can happen. That has to be our big perspective. So when we ask ourselves these massive questions, we at least have to have the big picture. Everything is working together now so that when time is full, Jesus will return. Okay, so what about our sharp focus? We got this big massive perspective. What about a narrower focus? So here we are, little old you, little old me, right? Just sitting here at some point in time on a trajectory that can only lead the entire universe to the return of Jesus to the earth. At this point, right now, we don't need to know all the details. We don't need to know all the details about history and our place in it. Uh, it, it. It might be helpful for us to understand and develop a plan, but it is not essential for us to know all the details about the world in which we live. In order to be faithful, we do not need to know the status of our culture, for example. We do not need to fully understand or comprehend technology, good thing. We do not need to know the exact position of the stars and the planets out in space. We do not need to know the locations of all the mineral deposits on the earth or whatever man 
might do to get them, or even if man will ever, say, mine an asteroid. We don't care about those things. No, it's not that we don't care. We just don't need that information in order to be faithful to what God called us to be. What we need to know is, what is our part? What is God doing? What are his expectations for us? And maybe even more pointed, more sharply focused, more narrow in width. What does he expect of me? Well, we already know what the big picture is, so now we need to drill down and see some of the details. We've got the panorama, the panoramic picture. Now we need to choose part of it, focus, expand it, look down into it, drill down into the details. And as we drill down, we start with that big panoramic picture and slowly zoom, right? Everything gets bigger, it goes off the edges of your screen and it begins to come into clear focus what those little details in there are. And we begin to see details that were lost in the vast expanse of the panoramic image. We just broadened our perspective now we need to narrow it back down and allow our new understanding of the big picture to inform our understanding of the part of the big picture that contains us. Because when you look at that panorama of history from Jesus in the temple till he returns, somewhere in that image is you and me. And we need to focus down onto that part of the image. Well, in the very last verse of our passage, Jesus said this, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. The word that's translated nations there is ethnos. It's a Greek word. It means ethnic group. We know what that is. It's a people group. We, we use that language all the time. So the literal meaning of the passage, the passage actually says this when you take all the words and, and, and do that to them. It says this, the good news of the kingdom of God come to earth will be proclaimed through the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to every ethnic group. Then the end will come. So the bigger general picture is the gospel to everyone. That's it. The gospel available to everyone. The information available to everyone. Every people group. Now the question becomes more specific. So let's go right past hemispheres. Let's go past continents. Let's go past countries. Let's drill down past regions, even states. Let's go past counties and look smaller. Let's land in Bartlett and the surrounding communities. When we're talking about Bartlett in this context, we're talking about Renovation Church. 
If the big view is that God is preparing the way for the return of Jesus by the gospel going out to every ethnic group on the inhabited earth, what part does Renovation Church play in that? And if that question is still too big for you, take heart. Because we can drill down further. You've been, you have been praying for years that God would reveal the exact answer to your pastors and elders. We've been praying that. God, lead us. Reveal to us what it is you want us to be. What it is you want us to carry, or how it is you want us to carry that out. You've been praying that for years. God has been doing exactly that in that time frame. He has been revealing what he's expecting. That's why we explored our values together a few years ago. That's why Alex and I preach the way we do. I mean, he's a little different from me. I'm a little different from him. But uh, what we do is, is complementary. It's on you know two parallel tracks that if one was missing, the train couldn't move. <clears throat> That's why we choose the sermon series that we choose. That's why we continue to have an online presence. That's why we have communion almost every week. That's why uh, we have the fires here with us this morning and for a while. Uh, that's why we're exploring the greenhouse initiative. That's why we do crossroads. Uh, that is why, by the way, that you know, is because the guy who was here before Alex and is over there in the back row had the same perspective and understanding. <clears throat> That's what faithfulness is, by the way. You know, we keep going in the things that we know is right. Uh, that is why pursuing what God wants us to be in terms of guiding all of history and focusing down on what does he want us to be. That's why Pastor Alex is going to talk more about all of these things next week. See, don't I get off easy? <clears throat> so I'm just going to move ahead from this. Uh, rather, the bigger question uh, of, of what part does Renovation Church play in declaring the gospel to Bartlett and the surrounding communities? Let's, you know, drill down even smaller here on that level and ask the question, why has, and each of us should be doing this, why has God brought me to Renovation Church? What do I have to offer to Renovation Church? I'm... I'm just so glad that nobody came here saying, let's see what this church has for me. Um, but that's where we need to be. What do I have to offer God in the mission of Renovation Church? As Renovation Church carries out the good news out into the community, what part do I play in that? And this is where I have to tell you, you do play a part. You may not have thought it at first. You may not understand it completely now. 
you may only have kind of a sense that somebody's going to ask something of me sooner or later around here. But it's true. You do play a part. You may not know it yet, but don't worry, because part of that discovery process that we've been in for the last several years is that while we're developing tools to help us, your pastors and elders, understand what resources you, the Lord, has brought here and to determine how best to deploy those resources. By the way, you, if you haven't figured it out already, are those resources. And it's not only you, that is, it's not just your temperament or personality, all right? It's not just your talents and abilities, but it is specifically the way the Holy Spirit manifests his presence through you. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking at and trying to understand more fully and trying to weave together into one mesh effort to be and to be faithful to what the Lord's calling us to be. So you see, it's not only you as a group, it's you the person, right? So once again, Alex will be expanding on that next week. <clears throat> And we get to continue to expand on, on that as we develop new resources and new understandings. So I'm going to skip that part too. It's, it's enough right now for you to have that information and then here's so what at the very end of the message. The, uh, the last level of detail that we have to explore is based on the next level of question. Next level of question is this. Since God is preparing the way for the return of Jesus by the gospel going out to every ethnic group on the whole inhabited earth, what part do we as a people play? In fact, it's more than what part we play as Renovation Church because our lives go beyond the ministries of Renovation Church. I mean, we are out there, our lives extend to the long-term influence that we have in our families, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends. Even, even more than that, our lives expend to ev extend to every person we come into contact with, from the mailman that we see every day, to the checkout person that we see once a week or so, to the telemarketer that we just want to hang up on. Our influence goes to all those places. What are we to do with the gospel for these people? How is God orchestrating the return of Jesus through these contacts in my life? And to be straightforward with you, I can't answer that question today. Beyond this, 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. 
yet with gentleness and reverence. Now, I can't answer that question, but it's not because I don't know the answer. It's because the answer is too big to talk about it in the next 15 minutes. The answer to the question, if you're asking me, you know, there's 60 of you out there asking me, how do I do this to all the relationships in my life? I can't answer it because in 15 minutes we can't possibly go through each person in the room and every person they're in contact with and unpack that history and that relationship and try to give an answer to what's the next step. You have to do that. So as, as you continue to pray for your pastors and elders, and we continue to understand the details of renovation's part in paving the way for Jesus' return, we will be focusing on providing more and more tools that will help you answer that question in your life and for the people that you're in contact with every day or once a week or only once ever in your life before you hang up on the telemarketer. As we prepare you for your role in Renovation Church, we will also be preparing you for your role as husband, wife, parent, neighbor, co-worker, etc. Shopper, phone answerer. As for now, your own prayer and Bible reading and the word of your own testimony. That's enough. So I watch people around me, one person in particular, I won't name my wife, but <clears throat> she is able, she is able, and, and it's, it's crazy, we'll sit down in a restaurant, sit down in a booth, uh, serve, server will come over, and my wife will say, your hair looks beautiful today. And out comes the whole life story. That, I can't do that. And my wife will, you know, I said I wouldn't name her, so my, my wife will engage in a conversation and just tell the story of how Jesus met her somewhere along the way that meshes with the needs of that server. She tells her story. She just, hey, this is what God did for me, and this is how he did it. And this is how it blessed me. That's a good place to start with the telemarketer. And unless you think that's going over the top, okay, so what? So what about all of this? Well, there are only three so what's, and they're simple, and, it, and you need to get them because I didn't give you many really specific answers. I just set up a broad perspective and showed us how we need to narrow our focus. Um, so what? Number one, 
keep praying that God will continue to lead us into his plan for Renovation Church and that we will be receptive to that plan. The worst thing we can do is think we've got it and just go off on our own. We have to be dependent. So what number two? See how fast this is going? Continually be asking God what your role in Renovation Church should be and ask him to help you be willing to take up that role. If there's a rub, that's it. The third, so what? Of all this information, so what? Well, of all the people in your life, keep asking God who the one is that you should be focused on today. Just every day. That's part of life as you're going along. Who's the one? My wife and I pray together every morning before I head off to work. And every day, our prayer is pretty much the same. Help us to see who you're bringing into our life that we might bless them with the gospel. <clears throat> Some days are more effective than others. It's okay. It's who we are. So that's it. That's it. The answer, yes. Time is filling up again. It's not full yet, but it is filling up. God is filling it, and he has a goal in mind. And, that, and, and he is using you and me and all the people sitting in other churches who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, using us to bring about his plan. And he's using us locally. And if we have missionaries, if we have foreign workers in our midst or that we support, then we're reaching out, but we're doing it from here. So don't miss out on joining God, who at the first fullness of time sent his son into the world that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. According to the kind intention of his will, Ephesians 1, 5, as he works all things together for the good of those who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, and as he extends the gospel to every ethnic group as a testimony before Jesus returns, Matthew 24, 14. Rather than the bigger question, actually, musicians, singers. Rather than the bigger question of what part Renovation Church plays in declaring the gospel to Bartlett and the surrounding communities, let's drill down. Let's just make it our daily practice. Drill down to a slightly smaller level every day. And here we ask the question, why has God brought me to Renovation Church?